Welcome to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast with Rob Peters. That's right, Rob Peters is back doing a podcast, but this time it's about bringing in guests and sharing experiences and information to help you create a better DJ business for you, your clients, and your community. Now, here's a guy who likes to wear his sunglasses at night, Rob Peters. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's show. Glad you could download us this week and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Mike Weeder talking about being a difference maker. Speaking of which, I think our experience at Rob Peters Entertainment over the past weekend was a big example on how important that can be. We were sold out this weekend. We had several weddings, bubble parties, both of our photo booths out. But we had a big event for a company up here that does a huge food festival along Fenway Park. And it's about 10,000 people. And they hired us to do photo booth for one of their clients. And they also hired one of our DJs. And one of the things that's really important is if you know anything about Fenway Park, Lansdowne Street catches the sun for the majority of the day, especially till about five, six o'clock at night in September. And we need to make sure that our DJ had some kind of relief from the sunshine and had worked it out with the client in advance to be able to make sure they had an easy up tent. Well, the day of the show, the DJ didn't have an easy up tent. It was getting close to start time. I think something that's becoming more and more important with our role as entertainers is that we need to start looking at bringing things like our own table our own tablecloth. And believe it or not, if you're doing outside stuff, you should be bringing some kind of easy up tent because the client isn't always going to have it for you. Or the client might say you can set up under a tree and it might be great under the tree when they're looking at it, trying to book you. But come the day of the event, that's where the sun's hitting. Luckily, my crew had an extra easy up tent and they were able to get it in position in time to get this event off and running for our client. And I think that leads to the other thing is, even though we oftentimes as an industry leave these things up to our client, sometimes we need to take a step out of our role as the DJ and our role as part of the success of the event and take a good look at everything else going on from the client's eyes for a minute. That gets overlooked sometimes. And when you have a client that has a bunch of different moving pieces going on, are you going to be the one to create chaos or are you going to be the one to solve the problem to make their job just a little bit easier? In my eyes, I think it's really important to make their job as easy as possible so that they can worry about the other elements of their event that are concerning to them. So something to bear in mind this week as you listen to our podcast episode, Do you have all the tools you need to do your job? Does it go beyond our speakers and our gear and our laptops? Do you have a table? Do you have an easy up tent? It's getting to be the end of the summer and that stuff starts going on sale and there's nothing wrong with having that stuff. You never know when you're gonna need it and more importantly, it might be something that makes your client's day a little bit easier. And the last thing, once again, take a moment and make sure you take a step outside of your role 
and look at your event through your client's eyes. We talk all the time about how important entertainment is to the success of an event. But in our client's eyes, they're not always thinking about the things that they need to do for us. And are we going to be the ones to make that a big deal? Or are we going to step to the plate and be the hero to make their job a little bit easier? Just a little food for thought for this week. Mike Weeder's up next, everybody. You're listening to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast. Hey, everybody. As you know, RPE, we do a lot of bar nights. And you know, I use speed quizzing smartphone trivia from my bar trivia nights because it is the future of bar trivia that features a friendly app that your customers are going to download. You play the hosted game and they get to submit their answers electronically. Not only have I used it for my bar nights, but I've found ways to incorporate it into other events I do, including corporate events and holiday parties. Speed quizzing events are great because there are no pens, no paper, and no cheating. Find out more about speed quizzing today at speedquizzing.com. Hey, everybody. It's Rob Peters. And if you know me, you know that I have been doing bubble parties for about 14 years right now. And Mike Weeder's joining me from New Jersey. And Mike started two years ago, right, Mike? Correct. And since that time, I have watched you take what I've taught you as a bubble parties provider and take it to another level. Tell us about the success you've been having. When I met you in uh, Las Vegas last year and you spoke to me about bubble parties, I was very skeptical. As a DJ, I've been doing this. I'm going into my 38th year. And I had no interest in dealing with preschools and children from two and a half to eight. After speaking with you and sitting through your seminar and talking to Raymar, I decided to give it a shot. Last year, our first year, we did 20 bubble parties. This year, uh, we were able to jump up to over 80 as of now. Get our free special report today where you can learn more about how this can be a great part of your DJ business. Go to bubbleparties.com, select the Become a Provider page, and get our free special report today. Well, we paid some bills. It's time to get to making a difference. Mike Weeder joining me on the show today. Mike, what's up? Oh, I'm having a great day. Good start to the week. Tell us a little bit about how you get started in the business and your company and how you've established yourself in Jersey. Well, I started in 1982 when I graduated high school. Uh, one of the gifts I received was a home stereo system. And like any 18-year-old uh, young man growing up in the city wanted to meet girls. So found out how to make mixtapes by buying another turntable and a mixer. And somehow uh, my family uprooted me from Brooklyn to upstate New York. And a neighbor asked me if I knew anyone that could DJ a confirmation. And I said, sure, I can. Never having done it before, I had no idea what I was in for. So. For $25 and a baked ziti dinner, I took on the uh, event. On my way to the event, I stopped off at Radio Shack and bought their quote-unquote professional speakers. <laughs> and went to a store called Strawberries and bought $200 worth of vinyl. And back then, the only thing I could say is thank heaven for KTEL and their compilation. <laughs> See, you're old like me. You remember KTEL. Yeah, I do. I do. 
So from there, I did the event. I am pretty sure I was horrible, but I wasn't afraid to get on a microphone and interact with people. And one thing led to another. My phone started ringing and I became an entertainer. I should say I became a DJ. Eventually, I became an entertainer. How did that transition come about? Well, my mentor, a gentleman named Fred Green in upstate New York, brought me to a church event. And I found out that my personality wasn't always a good thing. And he introduced me to the father, the priest, and said, Mike, this is Father Tom. Father Tom, this is my assistant, Mike. And I said, very nice to meet you. I'm not really comfortable calling you father. Can I call you dad for short? And he thought it was funny, but I was asked to uh, basically sit in the corner and not talk to anybody. And I realized if I could make a priest laugh and get people to smile, then I can uh, let my personality really uh, overtake my lack of DJing skills at the time. So I started getting on the mic more. I started interacting with people. I wasn't afraid to go out on the dance floor. And that was the beginning of the transformation. A lot of people have that transition. You know, when you look up the term disc jockey, it's defined as somebody who plays music for the enjoyment of others. And I think that stigma of, be, of having that difference between a disc jockey and a entertainer, especially if you're going to be successful doing what we do, is a very important distinction. I agree 100%. It's 2019, almost 2020. And in our industry, there are a million DJs. Because to be honest with you, between Guitar Center, um, IDJ Now, all the online companies, the access to equipment and music, people buy it and rightfully so can call themselves a DJ. There's no rule. Like you said, the definition is playing music for the enjoyment of others. Doesn't mean you're good at it. Doesn't mean you followed some sort of template. Some people make their own way. The problem is there are a lot of DJs and not as many entertainers. So Mike, I know you've taken a leadership role within the industry and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment when we talk about your book. More importantly though, you've taken a leadership role locally in New Jersey. Tell us a little bit about the New Jersey Disc Jockey Network. Well, I took over as president in January of this year and what we are trying to do or striving to do is educate our members into different ways they can approach events, whether it's using social media to the best of their ability and even further than that, you know, to bring in top quality presenters. As a matter of fact, you came down and spoke uh, at one of our meetings and it was very well received. It was a lot of fun to drive down there. I have friends down there, so I made a full day of it. And what was really nice about that is you paired me up with somebody who I really didn't know when we first sat down. I mean, I had interacted with Mike before, Mike Libris, but I feel like we got to know each other a little bit better that night 
just co-hosting the night and having a lot of fun. And I think you've done a lot of great stuff. You've had a lot of big names come in and talk to the group. And you've even made it now global where we can actually watch the meetings from our house. Absolutely. We have an online presence. We've had viewership from as far away as Alaska. And currently we have members ranging from Texas and Chicago and Atlanta, um, Canada. We have a couple of members. So it's really something to help the industry and not just the local entertainers. One of the things I want to touch on, though, is that this year the focus wasn't so much on performance-based work. For me to tell you how I do a wedding is not going to help you do a wedding. Right. Might give you some ideas and some tips and nuggets, but what separates each and every one of us in the industry are only three things. And it's salesmanship, personality, and the right experience. Not experience, the right experience. So Mike, obviously taking things to another level, we can transition and talk a little bit about the book, Be the Difference Maker. How'd the book come to be? How'd you get the idea? Well, I've given seminars at some of the conferences across the country, and I always tell stories to accentuate what I'm talking about. So if I'm talking about a situation where the bride needs to be bustled and they take her out of the room, I tell the story about going to David's bridal and learning how to bustle different gowns and having to bustle a bride's gown at her own wedding. So peer pressure saying, hey, you should put all of that down on paper and write a book. And because I suffer from something called sleep apnea and tend to be awake most of the evening, I had time to write a book. I've read the book. I have to tell you, I've been doing this 33 years. So I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you when it comes to the industry and in age. But we're not going to talk about ages. You know, we're not going to talk about the gray hairs or anything like that today. I dye my hair gray. I, <laughs> I will say this. I look for every kind of an opportunity to get something out of anything I am invited to read or I am sent to read or anything I even purchase. And I have to tell you, I read your book on a Sunday afternoon sitting at a campsite which is what I, my guilty pleasure is. I go camping on weekends. I read it in about two hours. And then I reread it the following weekend with a highlighter to kind of accentuate the points that I really wanted to take out of it. And it's filled with all kinds of nuggets here. Can you share some of the, the basic tips that you include in the book and maybe a story or two that made the book that maybe will explain to DJs why it's important to be a difference maker? Well, some of the nuggets I put in there that, that I feel are worthwhile are giving your couples homework. And most people don't realize that in order to get better results at an event, you have to ask better questions. And certain things I ask are, Did you do your, have you danced to your first dance yet? And they usually will tell me no. And I'd say probably 99% of my couples have planned on doing their first dance at their wedding. And the homework I give them because of that answer is 
about a week or two prior to your wedding, take a day off, have a date night, look into each other's eyes, remember why you fell in love and what it's all about, and dance to your first dance. And what that'll do is that'll give you an idea of the length of the song, any audio uh, breaks that you might say, you know what, we're done now, we only want to dance to this point. So little things like that, that allow me to be a little bit better because I ask them the right questions. So that's one of the uh, homework options. Another thing that we like to do is something called the first dance as a family, friends included. And what that is, is prior to the introductions, and for anybody that's interested in doing any of these things, always ask your couples ahead of time. Never surprise them, especially on their wedding day. Mm -hmm. But the first dance as a family, if they agree to it, is when we get ready to line up the bridal party, we do a little pre-welcome to the guests. And we explain to them the reason they were invited they're the most important people in, their, uh, in the bride and groom's lives, or however you want to introduce it. And what we do from there is explain that when the bride and groom are introduced, prior to their slow song, they want to have a dance set with all their family and friends. So they're going to come in to an upbeat song. And as soon as they hit the dance floor, everyone's invited to join them. And we follow that up with forming a giant circle and the bride and groom doing their slow dance in front of the most important people in their lives. And then the cherry on the Sunday is we mention it to the photographer ahead of time. Now that we have all of the guests on the floor, we take that group photo and it's done right there. So it's up front, everybody is still fully dressed. Very few people are in the bag yet. And it's a great moment. Do you find that the caterer, the banquet captains are on board when you present this to them? Well, again, not only will I not surprise the bride and groom on their wedding day, I try not to, to surprise the caterer. So usually two weeks prior to an event, I contact the venue just to, if I've never worked there, introduce myself, uh, go over requirements, where I can send my certificate of uh, liability insurance and to tell them what I've discussed with the bride and groom. And the, I never get pushback on it. I will get the, oh, that's not the way it's done. And I said, I understand that's not the way most people do it, but this is what the bride and groom would like to do. So usually after they see it, they come over and go, that was great. The tables were cleared. We were able to put salads out and you guys are going to be great. And obviously that's a regional difference because for example, up here in New England, we come into the room and do the first dance and go into full scale dinner with not a lot of dancing in between because they want to get the food out but I could see a p opportunity to be able to present this a certain way to make that work. Obviously with a little pre-communication, I think that's a very important element that is often overlooked. You know, you look at the forms that we all have access to and you see the, I sent my timeline, which I think is great, 
but I think we all need to come to a consensus and it's a future episode in the making when we talk about how we can better work together. It's great when you get the client on board to what you would like to see happen to make those memories happen. But I think sometimes it gets overlooked when you put a plan together and you're communicating with everybody and you're not saying, how can we make this work? It's handing them a piece of paper and going, this is how we're going to make it work. And I know there may be some people that are going to get up in arms over this, but I think the one thing that's overlooked so often is we're all a team. Exactly. We're all a team in this and it's not about our timeline or their food. It's about all of us coming together and working collectively for the common good of making our client happy. You know, the one that wrote the check. And I think when it comes down to that, obviously making sure that they understand, they meaning the client, that, you know, we have to factor this in too, or we have to factor that in. I think that that is so important. And I think that gets overlooked sometimes when I read these comments about, I handed the caterer my timeline and they told me I was out of my mind and blah, 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 blah. First of all, and I think you'll agree with me on this one, Mike, that's the first way to make sure you will never get referred again by that venue. And you know, some DJs dismiss it and go, then I don't want to work with them anyway. That's great. But let's be honest. We're in a highly competitive field, true? A hundred percent true. And with us being highly competitive, if you're not going to be the one that's going to work with them and make it all work, guess what? Your competitor is. And at the end of the day, when maybe you're sitting home on a Saturday and they're working at that venue, it makes you scratch your head a little bit. Well, when you take the opportunity, and it, it really isn't an opportunity, it should be on your schedule, that two weeks prior, or however long prior, you want to contact the rest of the team. You want to contact the venue and speak to the maitre d' or the banquet manager. You want to call the photographer and the videographer. You want to make sure that everybody is on the same page and there are no surprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know if the photographer is going to be doing table shots or going around and taking the bride and groom outside of the room for 20 minutes. I want to know that. I need to know if the videographer is going to be or need a feed from my audio. I, want to, I don't want to be surprised day of. I can handle it. I've been doing it long enough. I'm prepared for just about anything. But I don't want that. I want to be ready to go when I walk in and everybody knows their role. And if the caterer says, hey, look, we're doing, you know, um, a March of Roses at one of the venues around here, I need to know about that. Because what they do affects my timeline. What I do affects their timeline. So if we could talk about it ahead of time, we're all set. And I'll give you a funny story. And this is actually up, uh, actually probably closer to you than me. Mm-hmm. There used to be a venue in uh, Connecticut called Santi's Manor. And the first time I ever w- uh, worked there, I showed up and I was still relatively new in the industry. And at that time, you walk in, there would be a table set up for you, you know, a six or an eight foot banquet table. And I get there and there was no table. So I said, hey, um, 
you guys have a table I could use? And the maitre d' said, it's a $150 deposit. And I said, for what? He said, for the table. I said, I don't have 150. He said, well, then you don't get a table. I said, why would you need the money? And they said, well, just in case you scratch the table. I said, I'm not giving you any money. They said, fine, we're not giving you a table. So I, I didn't know what to do. I, I approached the bride and groom and I explained the situation and they said, that's outrageous. Mike, do what you think you have to do. I did. I set up on the floor. I literally put my coffin and uh, crates of uh, vinyl on the floor and the doors opened and the guests walked in and I was playing music from my hands and knees. And when it came time for the introduction and the best part is the staff is all standing there laughing at me and pointing at me. Mm -hmm. And the best part of it was when I did my introductions, I said, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Santi's Manor. My name is Mike Weeder from Ultimate Sounds DJs at the time. And if you're wondering why I'm on the floor, the staff at, the, at Santi's Manor refuses to give me a table. By the time I got halfway through the bridal party, there was not only a table, but they put my equipment on it and didn't bother me the rest of the night. Oh, wow. But from that day forward, next day, I went out and bought myself my own table. I don't rely on anybody for anything, and it makes me laugh when DJs put in their contract that the venue must supply them with a table and electric, uh, two separate circuits. I'm like, you're making a contract with the bride and groom, not the venue. This is why you call the venue. So important with the details. So we've talked a little bit about how the little things can make a big difference when it comes to your performance and your clients. Where can people get your book? Well, they can go directly to uh, our website. It's Mike at my, oh, I'm sorry, MikeWeeder.com. And there is a link for the book. And for your members or anybody interested, it's normally $25. Right now it's 20. And it's a fun, quick read, a lot of humor, a lot of stories that will show you that if you make a mistake, you can move on and learn from it. And there's nobody that I know that's perfect. I think that's the other thing that needs to be emphasized here is it's first of all about making sure our clients are happy. And second of all, nobody is perfect. No, but for what we do, and the saying is one I use all the time, I'm there to make mo uh, create moments and make memories. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes with prep work. You know, if you don't prepare the right way, you're, you're not going to be as successful as you can be. Mike, thank you for being on the show today. Get a copy of his book today and give it a read. It will definitely open your eyes on how you can take some little steps to make your client's experience with you a whole lot better. And that's what's really important. Mike, thanks for your time today. Thanks for being on the show. Rob, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Mike Weeder, everybody, author of the book, Be the Difference Maker. You can also see him online at the New Jersey Disc Jockey Network meetings. And we'll put a link into our show notes there. Folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for the download. We'll see you next week.
You've been listening to the Mobile DJ Business Podcast. Give us your ideas for future guests, questions, or topics, or just stay informed about upcoming episodes on our Facebook page or visit www.mobiledjpodcast.biz. The Mobile DJ Business Podcast is a production of Ron Peters Entertainment, all rights reserved.